Welcome to Conversation with H, and we have a supreme guest with us today, one of the UK's finest interviewers, finest UK, a supporter of not just his godly community, but the black community also. The founder and the host of the Sit Down UK, former member of the UK rap group Commission, with his brother, rap artist with songs like Church Team, Nine to Five, Reset. You know about them? You know, you know about them tuned I got a reset. You know what? You know what he was doing the deep version? got a reset. You know what he's doing all of that? Listen, last my way, practice hours of moment of clarity. Go check out that album because that album is cold. And he's got more rhythms on top of that. He's got the black box freestyle from years ago. Listen, go check out. He's a son, he's a brother, he's a husband, he's a father. He's Mr. They Still Can't Rain on the Ice Man. Also known as Mr. OHA and Mr. OIA. One hit away and one interview away. <laughs> I present to you Tope Chidozi, <laughs> aka I see the host. How are you doing today? I'm good, bro, man. That's a good introduction. <laughs> nah, I had to, you know, I have to give you all. I have to give you accolades, you know, at the start. I have to give you accolades. But cool, for those who don't know who you are, who is I see and who is Tope? They're the same person. Okay. Yeah, I tell you, they're the same person. It's just that I have to. Each one does different things. Okay. So I see front facing. So. Uh, anything you see me do, I guess, entertainment-wise, or, you know, I did music, that's why everyone, everyone knew me, I was blind, but now I see, that's where it comes from. Oh, cool. Um, so that's, yeah, it's front-facing, but I, got, I can't be icy to my daughter. Yeah, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I can't yeah, be icy yeah. to my wife, I'm top hair. That's, that's just me, but it's a different part of me. So when I go on stage, um, I'm naturally introverted. Okay. So when I go on stage, I can't do the sit-down introverted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. So, that part of me, I think, I really believe it's just God's anointing. It's anointing to do the work that he needs me to do then and there. Mm. If you catch me 10 minutes after that, you'll catch top air. <laughs> and so people, you know, people have said it. People have said it, oh, you, I don't know, when you come off stage, you seem a bit quiet. I'm like, that's, that's, that's just, it's just me. They're parts of me, but they need, they show themselves up in different ways yeah, when yeah. needed. And I think God anoints me to do certain things that are loud, um, but naturally me, I would just be sitting in the corner. Do you find yourself kind of like having to balance the two in a lot of scenarios? Like you talked about kind of, you know, the sit down, which we'll talk about a little bit more. Yeah. But just in terms of in general, do you find yourself kind of balancing the two and when, when the icy should come out, when the tope should come, do you find yeah, that? Yeah, so you mean, um, no, I think I know, I think I know when it's needed. Okay. And, but I'm not, af I'm not afraid to just be myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I'm, when I'm doing a sit down, for example, and interviewing the guests and, and hosting the whole event. I, can't, I know I just can't be that person who would love to be reserved yeah. and know what is needed at that time. Um, but at the same time, I can go to an event and I just stand in the corner yeah, and that's yeah, just yeah. me. And some people, some people they don't understand the two the differences, but it's just, I'm an introvert, but I do extrovert things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. God yeah, yeah, yeah. enables me to do extrovert things when I was doing music. That's an extrovert thing and I've yeah. got to serve the people in that manner. Um, but at the same time, I can revert to just quiet me in the corner, like whenever, and that's just all right. It feels like Ice is the, the, the host of the sit down and Tope is the one who'd be sitting in the audience. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. What it feels that's like. beautiful, that is beautiful, 100%, 100%. In terms of your, let's go back a bit and let's go to like your, your childhood. And yeah. Give us three words to describe your, your upbringing and why those three words. Um, imaginative. Okay. Definitely, I had like a very imaginative mind because obviously I was, I'm born in 1982. Yeah. So 
there's no mobile phones, there's no internet, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? So how is someone gonna entertain themselves? Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? So I spent a lot of time reading books. Okay. A lot of time, Roald Dahl, Enie Blyton. Mm. And some of these books only have like, what, two, three pictures in yeah. them, do you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> a couple of drawings in yeah, them. Yeah, <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? So I've had to use my mind and transport into the world of what they're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, I, I don't know why, but when I was younger, I used to use that imagination a lot. So I'd read a page and I'd imagine myself walking through the fields wow. and walking with the characters. Yeah. And I think that ability to visualise things has always kind of uh, travelled into the stuff that I do now. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, if I'm yeah. going to do, uh, um, you know, write a song, I'm thinking of the visuals and I'm trying to make sure that the song, if you were listening to it, you could be able to picture it. That's my imagine, what my imagination has done. Yeah. Um, so imaginative, creative, very creative. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where I kind of started to write poetry. Okay. Um, I was very artsy when I was young. Um, and I just thought, I would always think of different things I could just do with my hands. Because obviously, like you said, what can you do? You're not scrolling on the gram. Or yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. You're, just, you're just a young child, just, you, you know, left to your own device and trying to make a way through it. So yeah. very creative. But then the last one would be sad. It was, really? you know... <laughs> You know, parts of my childhood were sad because I was, I originally lived with my, my biological father. Mm-hmm. It was just me and him. Yeah. And our relationship wasn't the greatest. It, okay. was, it was one, um, I would more say predicated on fear okay. than, than love. love. He, you know, his father was from the military. Mm-hmm. And I think through his uh, experience of childhood and growing up, yeah. that's what he experienced quite harsh and firm. And, and I think I received that. And so it meant I would retreat into myself wow. a lot of the time and... and that's why I had to become creative. I had to become imaginative because it was just, I'm just me on my own. That was your output in terms of what was happening. Exactly. It was that, it was that es- es- yeah, escapism. That was yeah, that way yeah, yeah. to kind of dive into a book was to escape into the book and to dive into my imagination was to be away from what was happening. Yeah. Um, so those three words, yeah, I think they, they, they sum up that, that childhood, yeah. How would you say the era that you grew up in and kind of like growing up in the ends, how do you, would you say that still defines you, like even today? I think, you know, I grew up in South London originally, so I'm, I'm a West boy, but my South boy. <laughs> um, I grew up in Champion Hill, like Dulwich. Yeah. Um, but I got shipped out, I got moved to live with my mum my and my stepfather for, about what age was that? Maybe around, what age is it when you're moving into like year five, year six? Like, yeah, like 10, you're like, yeah, 10, 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So I would say my formative years were actually formed, were, were, were done in West London. Okay. Now, you know that TikTok guy that does that. Um, oh, this is what South London's yeah, doing. Yeah, so. Yeah. so like, <laughs> so West London has always been seen as this like, um, I don't know, soft. Softer side yeah, of London. Yeah, softer side of London. And I always remember, I always thought, yeah, I like that. Like, <laughs> You know, when, if you say you're from South London, immediately there becomes this um, impression of who you're supposed to be yeah, 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 and what yeah. it is like. Yes. So you've got, there's that hard exterior, etc. But West was seen as so soft and whatever, it meant that I could be myself. I could mm. find and define what was cool for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. So the roads and all that stuff, that wasn't, that wasn't cool to me. That was like, yeah. wow, that's dead. Like, wow. I was... I was I was scared of that. Yeah, yeah, I don't yeah. want someone punching me in my face. I don't want somebody <laughs> running up into the school with a knife or gun. I was yeah, like, nah, yeah. like I'd rather, again, use my imagination, use my creativity wow. and be lean towards that. So yeah. the way it defined me was it really changed the trajectory of where I was going. It, it, it defined, it helped me, so it defined 
what do I think is cool mm. in my own brain yeah. as opposed to what everyone else is doing. I remember there was one time, there was a lunch break that we had at, in sixth form. And you know, every school I think has this alleyway, D alleyway, wherever everybody is. And I think everybody was like smoking, smoking weed or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I said, oh, do you want some? And I was like, no. <laughs> what am I? I was like, and I was probably a shock to them that you said yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, no, like that's, what's, that's dead. I used to have asthma when I was younger anyway. So it's like, what, 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 who wants to be smoking weed? Like, I used to think of the asthma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I think I was thinking. I don't want to have an asthma attack. So West London, that kind of era of growing up in it, it kind of just made me, it, it kind of gave me the freedom to be like, nah, I'm going to define what is cool and mm. I'm going to define what is uh, right for me yeah. as opposed to you know what is happening all around me yeah. how did the, you moving from your father to your mother how did you how did that affect you or mm. how do you know that affected you I think you know because I was when I moved to my to live with my mum and that was when, my, when I met my other brothers and sisters and mm. I, I always had contact with them yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but more so I just think it was the difference of like environments and growing up yeah, yeah, yeah. so I remember one time in summer holidays and my mum had to go out and she made snacks for us. Yeah. She put the snacks on the table and he's like, okay, you guys, you know, eat your snacks. There's TV there, you know, don't answer the door, all that type of thing. And I think the difference was that I didn't have that with my father. Mm. I think I felt more always on edge. Yeah. I was, I, I was never used to uh, being relaxed. You know what I'm saying? And again, I think that's more so the, the, um, upbringing he had mm. and how it pulled out in, in our home yeah but I wasn't used to being relaxed in the presence of adults so coming wow. over to live with my mum and, and my stepdad you know it was just like wow you're not allowed to just eat food in front of the tv like wow. that so it took it, it took time to adjust because yeah. I was just like wow there's so much freedom here compared to where you just come from yeah so it, it's almost like you know just being let out of prison and you're just like raw like everyone it's just freely roaming, but yeah. you've still got a prison mentality kind of mi mindset. Did that affect you creatively as well? As in later in life? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's funny. I think my, my creativity my, and my imagination has never been... Diminished. Yeah, mm -hmm. because it's so limitless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and because it's that form of escapism, you can't... <laughs> in my mind, what is going on, you can't stop that. Yeah. That's the place to go. And so now you can't, you know, it's almost like that place was untouched even when I was over there you know I was writing poems and stories yeah. and and the music came so yeah it was almost like that place forever is like untouched when we all grow up or when we all start growing up mm. we we think about what our occupation is going to be when we, yeah, when yeah. we get older and obviously later on in life you want to be a copywriter in advertising but yeah. when you were growing up what did you want to be and <laughs> how did you kind of differ from that route or is yeah. it, or are you on that route at the moment I, I can, like you said, I wanted to be a copywriter. I realised I wanted to be a copywriter in year eight. Oh, so it weren't really that later on in life. It was like year eight. Yeah, yeah, year 13, eight, year nine. Yeah, it was yeah. like copywriter. Yeah, it was a competition at school and um, it was a gas safety competition. And my art teacher said, you know, you should go for it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. And I, I really put my heart into it. Wow. And, you know, stayed up late, colouring it, etc. And I got third place, nationally third place. And it said to me that, wow, do you mean I can, I'm good at that? Yeah. I said, imagine there's a job that you could do like for your whole life doing that. And I was, my dad was 
very much into like advertising and marketing. Yeah. And he had all these books around and I would read that stuff, okay. that consume it, consume it. And so one day I was like, is there a job like this? And I found that you could be a copywriter. But before then, when I was young, 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 I wanted to be Michael Jackson. <laughs> that's, what I wanted to, that's what I wanted to be. I wanted to be with Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson, around Michael Jackson, just Michael Jackson. Why am I, why, I understand, I'm not going to say why Michael Jackson, I understand, yeah. but considering who you know you are now, mm. in terms of Tope, the, the introvert, yeah. I see the extrovert, yeah. the fact that you wanted to be Michael Jackson, who was, some would say has a similar kind of MJ, the pop star, yeah. is that extrovert, but when he's kind of like in, within himself a little bit when he comes mm. off the stage. Yeah, true. It's quite interesting that you wanted to be Michael Jackson yeah. of all, of <laughs> yeah, all people. Did you kind of tap into like music from then or was it like just Michael Jackson, the person? I and think it was. What he the... meant to you, that's what you wanted to yeah, do. Yeah, I have a limit. It says, um, MJ was my surrogate, raised me on Billie Jean, showed me how to really dream. And I think he, wow. he was someone... It's so weird, but he was just someone that he was so far removed from my life mm. and so far removed from my, my reality. But he just represented, um, it's weird, he represented magic and wonder. It was weird. He had this mystique around him yeah, that yeah. he was so talented, but so humble, mm. so talented, but seemed so full of love. Yeah. And maybe it's that love element again. There we go. Like, because I didn't really feel I had it, mm. maybe I saw it in him, like being myself, like wow. for real. Like, and so it was to be close to Michael. Like, yeah. I, you, obviously, we would see children around him. Yeah. Whether he did what he did, <laughs> I don't know. That's not my, that's not my, <laughs> that's not my jurisdiction. But yeah. he just seemed to ooze love. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think I just wanted to be near that. And that was like the, the poster male that we had. Yeah like globally and universally. So I don't know, it's weird. It's, I was just enam uh, like fascinated by him. And I remember I got to see him in concert in 1993. Yeah. Was it 1993 or 1994 in Wembley Arena when it had the two, the two towers. Yeah. And that was, whoa. You know, I'm, st I'm sitting here, but Michael's over there. Like in real life, that was mad. And I remember at the, we were getting ready to start the, the concert and there was a gentleman downstairs dressed like him. And I said to my dad, I want to go, I want to go and see Michael. Because I don't know about impersonators. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, there's only, why would, why would somebody be looking and dressing exactly like him? It yeah. must be Michael. And so yeah. I said, I want to go, I want to go. And he said, I was saying, no, no, you can't go. And I was devastated. I was like, I can't meet Michael. You know, it's only later in life you realise yeah, that, oh, that's it's just, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> just some impersonator that was happy to be there. So, yeah, man. So in terms of like, we talked about Michael, we talked about music to a degree. When does kind of like you, Icy, mm. the rap artist start? Does that start from school? Mm. Um, and then how does kind of like commission start as well? Yeah. So music, man, music has always been, I guess, like that escape as well. But when I started, it was at my church. My, my church uh, at the time was Jesus House. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesus House for Ordinations. Hello, I'm Mr. Pastor Agri Ruku. We got to him. Mm -hmm. um, I came to a service and there was this guy rapping on stage. Okay. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> Just confused. <laughs> Bruh, you mean people, you mean Christians are allowed to rap? 
No, I was very, I was shocked out of my head. I was, he was just rapping on stage, you know, they'd done, they'd done yeah. the, they'd done um, praise and worship and Pastor had introduced him. I was like, and I was just fixated on him. I was like, oh my days. And his, his name is Yomi. Mm. After he came off stage, I went to him and I said, I need you to teach me how to do that. I need you to teach me how to do that. Before you carry yeah. on, was you writing poetry before that? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was writing, performing it. Okay. I can't remember what my name was. It wasn't even IC then. It was just, I think, Top Air. Yeah, that was it. Was it Top Air the poet? <laughs> hey, <listen, laughs> um, it's something like that, yeah. <laughs> but I was, I, yeah, I was dabbling with words back then, but I had never moved into music. And, yeah. But I saw that and was like, so you mean that can be done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so this is why representation is so important, not just, I guess, in the media, but in church as well. Mm. Can you show me it can be done? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he showed me it can be done. And I said, you need to teach me. Now, before then, I'd never written a lyric in my life. So he said, cool. Uh, we met up and um, he said, okay, let's do this song. So he sent me the beat. And this is rap days. This is like rap, rap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I was like, okay, where is it? He goes, where's what? The, the, the lyrics. <laughs> what, you expect, me, you expect me to write this? Fine, I'm, I just done poetry. I just do a little poetry. You expect me to write this? I said, no, it's you that's got to write it. So I just, I think I took it, took the song home. And I think I just pieced together, you know, when you're coming from poetry, you almost are doing it anyway. You're songwriting yeah. anyway. So I was able to piece it together and we, we would perform back to the church. Oh, we would wow. perform back to our youth group. And those were some powerful years because I was, I was young, but I was going before audiences and learning about confidence. How do you hold the mic? How do you um, perform before different types of audience? We would go mm. all the way up to Norwich. We would go to Brixton. So these were early years. And then as that carried on, Garage came into the seat. Yeah. Came in, you know, UK Garage came up and um, it was just bubbling. And, I was leaning towards garage. I was like, you know what? At first I hated it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I started to lean towards it. And I remember I came to a rehearsal because I've been listening to so much garage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, you've been listening to garage, innit? Because I can hear it in your flow. Okay. I was like, yeah, these are the days are so solid as well. So now, even more so, I'm like, oh, I might want to dabble into this. Graciously, big up to Yomi, he was like, you know what? Because we were a group. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? yeah, We were a group. Yeah. Even, but he was like, if that's where you want to go, if that's the path you want to go, like, go on. Why would I hold you back? So I got into that. Um, and then I met up with my a friend at, at, at Sixth Form, uh, Joshua. Yeah, Joshua Dominguez. We got Joshua, man. Every Friday, we would make a tape. Every, every Friday? Every single Friday, we'd go to his house and we would make a tape. We would listen to that tape throughout the whole week. Then we'd come back and we'd record again. What were the mistakes we made last week that we can perfect this week? That, those, again, formative years, because it was teaching me about honing the skill and, and perfecting the art of yeah, what you do. Yeah. Over a period of time, we were doing that. We did, um, like, the six-bomb boat parties. That was, like, that was like graduation. Yeah, like, yeah, if, yeah. They, if people were saying, oh, you should do the six-bomb boat party, we were like, okay, cool. And I remember I got one reload for Dilemma. That's, like, your Wembley Stadium, you That know? was my Wembley <laughs> Stadium, man. I remember that. that was my Wembley. I was like, the next day, because we used to tape it. Yeah. And everyone was just playing the tapes back. And I was like, yeah. Um, and then Grime came. Yeah. And then when Grime came, it was like, right, okay. I'd heard Asher D. Mm. And I said, that's me, man. I wasn't, into the, I wasn't too much into the, 
I was, I was into the lyrical yeah. aspect of it. So Asher D, he represented that for me. And I remember when I got to meet him one, at one studio, that was, I was like, Mike, meeting Michael, do you yeah, know what I'm yeah, saying? Because yeah. I would study Asher D. When Asher D went to jail, I prayed so much for him. Wow. Prayed so hard for him. That was, because that was, that was heart. Yeah, yeah, Felt yeah, him yeah, going to yeah. jail, like. And so carrying on that, um, my pastors have always instilled in us uh, purpose and meaning in what mm. you're doing purpose and meaning and what you're doing you have a gift you have a um, you have a gift but what is the purpose of it find it because God will use it to connect to people and touch people so mm. even though I'm just writing lyrics I'm always lacing it with hope and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and trying to point to God and then at the same time my brother started to write lyrics so we're in the same house he's writing lyrics in the bedroom <laughs> you're like, but I'm already out there doing okay, icy I'm icy yeah, by yeah. this time and I thought but we're just doing the same thing might as well just Come together. Might just come together. And uh, my brother-in-law now, um, Daniel, Danny Yeager, he was, he was a producer at the time. Um, another friend, Dele, and my, my good closest friend who we kicked out of the group. Um, we all formed together. <laughs> we got Gabriel um, to form commission. And um, I kicked him out of the group because I said, look, if we're going to do this, we've got to be serious. But he did hairdressing at the same time. Yeah. And I said, look, we're going to do a rehearsal, bro. So if you're, if you're in it, then come. If you're not in it, you want to go and do your hairdressing, <laughs> boy, it's up to you. But if you come, if you don't come, then you're out of the group. He thought I was joking, bro. So to this day, he's my best man. You know, every, I always, always, always cuss him about it. But commission was formed then, I think, I can't remember the exact date. I remember, I think it was maybe 2004s, 5s. Mm. And church after church would just ask us to come perform there, perform there, perform there. And we created a song called Up To You. And yeah. That just went crazy. It got used for the Trident. Trident had a campaign yeah. um, about choices and got used for that. It was a beautiful time, but God, like, re- I, think, I think it was, it was very much so custom made for that time. Mm. I think, really think God wanted us to be the soundtrack to people's um, like transformation yeah. and Christian walk. And, and that's what it was that time. And like you would have a, an event every single week. You had yeah. Jesus Junkie clothing. You had the bad, did the badges. It was a whole culture that was formed around that music. And I think, yeah, I love those night, those days. My big um, Akinyemi Adeshina. He, he's like the, he was he was like the Suge Knight. He was the Suge Knight. The the the, the, the um, he was like the Steve Jobs of what we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would just bring people together. Malik Berry. Malik Berry was in our camp wow. before he was Malik Berry, do you yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So those days, man, I look on it, I look on it fondly, man, fondly. Do you feel like you achieved what you set out to do as a group or even as a solo rap artist? Or if not, what kind of stopped you from yeah. achieving those goals? I do think we did, you know, sometimes I do think, oh, we didn't get to do an album. But I really think that time was custom made. Like I can't pull that time back it was what we did in that time god wanted us to do in that time and when we felt it was done mm. we released it because mm-hmm. i think it would be such a different thing if we were trying to still hold on to it now yeah yeah yeah, I'm with you. yeah i think it would be it, the music yeah it just i don't think it would be what it needed to be yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, as a solo artist it's funny this one is this one is techie because obviously after commission um i asked my brother i said you know what is it okay if I still do your thing? Yeah. And I was like, yeah. He said, bro, of course, like I'm, I'm there 100% to support you. 
So I released my mixtape, um, the Entree in 2012. Mm -hmm. And um, that was the first time like, creating a whole project, like a and r in the whole thing and wow. getting it to sound how I wanted. And I loved it. And I was like, yeah, I can, I can do this. Yeah. Had breaks here and there. And um, then I would say more so just put out different EPs. Got burnt sometimes in industry stuff. Mm -hmm. And that, that put me back. But by the time I did the album, December 2018, I was yeah. like, yes. Ready. Let's go. This is why it's called Moment and Clarity. I'm realising this is what I want to do. Yeah. This is what God has made me to do. Like, yes, let's go. December 2018, released that. As soon as I released that, <laughs> it was like all, all the creative energy around music, it went. Really? It went. My daughter was coming by April next year. And I'd already said in my mind, I don't want to be a daddy rapper. Like, if I'm going to... So you'd already kind of put it out there before that? In happened. my mind, I think I'd... Oh, wow. So I said, nah, I, it, I would... I think I'd always... I think I had already decided in my mind, if she's been born in April, I'm not doing anything from January to the summer, even. Wow. Because I need, I need time to be a father. I've never really? been a father. I need time to be a father, man. I ain't, I ain't got time to be running up, up and down doing shows. But at the same time, I had started the sit down in 2017 mm. and I was doing that concurrently with the music. And I think by that December 2018, I felt God say pivot, like pivot, wow. pivot, brother. I was like, what is, I don't even know what that means, but I just heard, I heard pivot. And I felt he was saying pivot towards the sit down, mm. like f turn your focus towards it. So I think what has literally happened, I, I feel that me as a person, I'm a creative channeler. Mm. And God gives me ideas and I have to creatively channel them mm. into things and he can just flow through them. So, it's, I'm, so I'm, not even an art, I'm not even a music artist. I used to do photography. I'm not even a photographer. Mm. I used to design badges. I'm, not, I'm just a creative vessel mm. that he will drop an idea in my hand and you move with that. And then I'll move with it. So every bit of energy that was formed around music, I find it in the sit-down. The sit-down is my studio. Wow. So I can't say that I never made it necessarily music because I, the energy is... The, the, the energy shifted as soon as you the album. Yeah. And I think that's what... That album is my... <laughs> yo, go and listen to the moment of clarity. That is my best work ever. Mm. And I, when I would say it, I was not, I was being very honest and it wasn't from a place of, of like pride or anything. It's just that I felt that that's the best I've ever made. Yeah. So when I look at that transference of um, focus and energy, it really felt like, yeah, I need God, I, you know, him, I need you to make that album. Let's close that down and let's mm. move this towards something else. Because I've tried. It's not that I haven't tried. Mm. Bro, I've tried to listen to beats and write. I literally cannot, um, like in my phone, I've got this thing called Lifelines. Mm. And it is lines that I just come up with in, in like lyrics. The other two months ago, I wrote maybe 16 bars or eight, 16 bars. Mm. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, Ice is back. Oh my days. The next day, fam, that energy had gone. Next, next two days, I was like, ah, that was cool. I'm good, that's, that's fine now. Right, who's the next guest? 16 bars. I was like, who's the next guest for the sit down? So it just showed me that, okay, you know what? Um, 
if he opens up that tap again, cool, I'm ready to go, God. Mm. But as I feel it, I'll move with it. So I can't really say that, you know, oh, I didn't reach the dizzying heights. I, I reached the dizzying heights of my purpose. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah, we yeah, move, yeah, yeah, move yeah, on to something yeah, yeah. else. The fact that you talking about your energy shifting into kind of the sit down and even mm. with the sit down, as you said, you started it whilst you were still doing the solo career. The, moment of clarity, clarity was this, was still like a year away, a year and a bit yeah, away true. before you even true. got to that. So you talked about the pivot after around the album, but when was the pivot to even just start the sit down anyway? Like what was happening at that particular moment in time? Yeah, um, I must have definitely not been doing music, um, but the idea has been sitting with me for so long. Um, there's a pro, there's a platform in America by Elliot Wilson called The Crown. Mm. I used to watch that religiously and he would just, Nicki Minaj, Drake, Lil Wayne, yeah. whenever they would have an album coming up, they'd go, he, he go and see him, sit down with him, he would be a massive audience um, and he would just interview them. And I just loved the setup and I used to think, pardon me, it would be great to have that in the UK because there's nothing really like, like, like an event. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I also would, was speaking to a lot of people at that time, mm -hmm. people behind the scenes, people that everyone, like people know, and they were going through things, like mm. were going through dramas. And I was like, but when I look at your Instagram, things look perfect. And I was thinking, how can there be this disconnect between the reality of what they're living mm. and what we as their supporters or people who admire them look at, how can those be so difficult, um, you know, so be Different. so distant? Is there a way mm. that we could bring those closer together where the person can feel you know, comfortable and free enough to yeah. share that. And we get to hear that as well and yeah. learn from them ups, that, the downs, everything in between, learn from the mistakes, learn that we're all human and the only thing that connects us is our stories. Mm. Every, like, if I ask any of you two here and I sit down with you for an hour, your story will come out and it will be glorious. Whether you're on the stage or not on the stage, it will yeah, be yeah. amazing. And I thought those stories get lost and they only come out when like someone dies. Mm. Oh, we need to make a, let's make a biopic about yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. You're like, Whoa. Or this person did this. And you're like, what, black person invented that? Because their story wasn't told. So I was, in that time, I was like, should we do it? And I was like, ah, I, look, calm down. You do music, yeah. but you're no, you're not like an interviewer. Mm. You're not, that's not, if, where have you done that before? Like even to what we were talking about before, yeah. before starting, I haven't trained to do that. Yeah. You don't calm down. Maybe, maybe I just have the idea. And it's for someone else. And someone else can do the interview and the presenting. So I was going back and forth and I spoke to my wife and she was like, no, that's a good idea, run with it. And there's, there's something about when your wife says, no, that's a good idea, run with it. The fire in your back is, yeah, it's different, you it? cannot extinguish it. And I think five years on, it's probably one of the main yeah, one of the main driver forces mm. that she said that, you know, when she said it, it was almost like in my head, okay, cool. I spoke to another close friend. I said, look, this is the idea I'm thinking of. She said, yeah, do it like this, do it like this. So 7th of April, 2017, we started it. And uh, no, I set that date mm. and I put it out there. So if you go all the way back to the first, I think the first post of the sit down on Instagram, mm. it's just the logo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then afterwards we followed with the date. Once I had done that, I said to myself, okay, well. It's out there now. <laughs> it's sink or swim, do you know what I'm saying? So um, yeah, that was what was happening at the time. And I just thought, let's, I don't know how to do this, mm. 
but let's just make a start. And big up A-Star, always big up A-Star. A-Star, the grime artist, he was the one who, he set the president for how the sit down is now. He was so open, so vulnerable as our first ever guest. He trusted, and we know each other, but yeah. it's different to sit down and have people looking at you and listening to your story. And he was mm. just so open and vulnerable and it meant that everybody afterwards, you had to either meet that bar mm. or if you fall under it. If you fall under it, it's not going to be what the sit down is, is yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. So shout out to A-Star always, man. So well, through all that you do and like you, you talked about the sit down, connecting people through people's stories. Yeah. In your music, you, you connect people through, through what you're saying and, and lyrics and stuff like that. And the stories you try and tell mm. through your music as well, especially in Moment of Clarity, um, especially in simple songs like, I say simple songs, but like nine to five, like mm. you got to work in the morning. Like, <laughs> like, you, 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 like you start off with that and it's just like, okay, I'm, you set it like, a, and I brush my teeth and you, you start mm. off like quite simple, but it's, it's very much like linking to someone and connecting to someone and how, where they're at and what mm. they're doing. Where do you get that, that heart from to, you know, to connect others or, or to, um, to be that kind of, not, not, well, yeah, inspiration for others to be like, okay, let me look at what Ice is doing because he's connecting me through this yeah. person or he's connecting me through what he's saying in terms of his music. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, um, it's the desire to be, I think it's the desire to be understood. I think so. Mm -hmm. I'm a complex individual. So like I talked about with Icy and Top Air, like obviously I'm an, I'm an introvert that does extrovert things. Mm. So those two, do clash sometimes in my mind. Yeah, 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 I'm with you. And the case in point is, if I'm gonna do the sit down, I have to do, before we start the sit down, I have to walk. I have to go for a walk. Maybe even if it, 10 minutes, five, 10 minutes, I have to go walk on my own. No phone, nobody contacting me because I need to now be alone in my thoughts. Mm. Because what I'm about to give out for the next hour and a half is a madness on my introvertness mm. so I'm such a so I thought I'm a complex person it was actually one of the reasons why I didn't want to get married really I don't want to get married why for someone else's to, to bring someone else into my complexities mm. I have vicious mood swings mm. pendulum pendulum <laughs> uh, pendulum mood swings so that was also another thing where it was just like oh, I want to bring somebody into that to wow. so I've got all these these different kind of complexities so I really appreciate people that take time to understand me. Mm. So my wife blatantly is that, is that person who she takes time to understand me and, and see, not chuck me away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, see it, she'll see the complexities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But she won't chuck me away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the desire to be understood in myself is fueling me to help others to be understood. So I'll create songs that might better help explain what you're thinking. Mm. You might not be able to say it. Okay, let me say it for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People, you know, with the sit down, I'll create that platform so that people might have so many misconceptions about you. But when we sit down, they'll understand where it all comes from, your actions and the mm. things that you've kind of grown up dealing with. So I think that's where it comes from. I'm trying to get people, it comes, it's almost like a selfish thing my desire to be understood is pushing me to get others into a place where they're understood as well. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think that's just, that's what it is, man. <laughs>
is there a moment in time where you can kind of pinpoint that wanting to be understood mm. to then why that drives you now? Or is it just like a collection of things that have happened to then lead you to this point? I think it's just a running theme from my life. Okay. I, I, I constantly step into people's shoes. Mm. So if someone, like reading a newspaper article, someone got shot, yeah. I feel so much sadness for the victim and the families. But then my mind goes to the, the shooter mm. and starts to unravel what were they thinking? What was it that was going through their mind? And, and how are they feeling right now? Yeah. If they're on the run, for example, like, where are you holding up? Yeah, yeah, You've yeah. heard everything is happening around you. What do you think about this? Do you mm. regret it? Or you got sentenced, you got sentenced, you're in jail now, you're in jail for 30 years. Yeah. Has it dawned on you or do you have to shove? So I'm constantly, it's, it's a running theme for my life where I've constantly thought, okay, well, what do they, mm. what does that person think? So there was a song I did called I Am Judas. Yeah. And that was about stepping into Judas's mm. um, feet for a while and thinking, yes, he did betray Jesus. But what would lead a man to, to betray someone who he was with on a daily basis, like yeah, yeah, yeah. constantly? who he saw do miraculous things. What was it? Mm. And so the song talks about him before meeting Jesus, leaving his wife, yeah. leaving his kids, um, feeling shortchanged and mm. not really taken care of. Jesus had his favourites and him feeling a bit slight. So when somebody offers him the opportunity to betray him, I think he's thinking like, well, boy, yeah, 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 my man yeah, don't yeah, even look yeah, after yeah. me anyway. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's, yeah, I think it's the one thing in my life where it's like, Step into other people's shoes and see if you can present their, their story. And that's why it's quite interesting and probably, for want of a better word, it's, it's very um, needed that you are the host of the sit-down. I see what you mean, yeah. Because it's like you're looking at perspectives of the person and their story where it's like, okay, yeah, you went through that, but let's kind of look at it from another side. Yeah, or sure. you're thinking about like, people might perceive it in two different ways. So regardless of how you tell this story, the, the people are going to look at it differently, but I can kind of, in your head, you can kind of be like, okay, I'm, I'm working this out, I can mm. kind of see it. So the conversation would then develop a little bit better because of your level of trying to understand them. Yeah, that make sense? That's, that is deep. So, <laughs> so it's like, <laughs> that's why when I look at something like the sit down, I think to myself, there's not many other people that could, could hold a conversation. There's no one else really, apart from yourself, that I see could do the sit down. And now what you're explaining to us and, and everyone who's watching is that because of how you think and you're always trying to be understood and trying to help others to be understood, you're going to look with a, a new level of empathy that not everyone will have towards the person mm. that you're talking to because you're not just trying to understand their story, you're trying to understand how did you get to this part or how yeah, did you get to that part? Yeah. Whereas everyone who's listening is like, oh, that's interesting. Mm. Let me ask a question on that. Whereas you're like, but I want to know the detail behind yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, Does that make sense? Sometimes I'm watching interviews of the people that I'm going to um, um, interview and I'll, the person or the presenter will say something and then I'm like, no, 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 go, yo. Go back to the gym. What was <laughs> You that? was uncertain. You, was, <laughs> you, know, it was, oh, you know, in school I was so sad. But you know that I'm like, no, that's sad. We need to unpack that yeah, yeah, because yeah, that probably yeah. leads on to other things that now we see in, you know, in the public eye. So now you're spot on, 100%. But, and then even on top of what you just said in that, in that scenario, when you're certain people who are interviewing, they've, they've got a certain amount of questions. So it's mm. like, I need to get through these questions rather than let me 
tap into the person yeah, so that they're stuck with the, the five, 10 questions rather than, I only asked five of these, hmm. but we spoke for about 40 minutes, 45 so minutes true. because we had a conversation yeah, to tap so. into that particular part. Um, in regards to the sit down, one thing that I do notice is that you have, it's very heavy in terms of like, there's a lot of women in the team and there's a lot of family mm. that you have in the team as well. How important are those two things to the sit down being a success? Yeah. <laughs> do you know what the funny thing is? I, I, it's not intentional. Yeah. Um, but I think it's subconscious. Mm. In a sense that years ago, I realised I got a lot of male privilege. Oh, wow. A lot of male privilege. There's things I can do as a man. I'll never think twice. If I want to yeah. go jogging at 11 at night, Calm. just put on my stuff and jog out. Mm. But a woman has to think of a thousand things. And mm. a, you know, if I want to walk from the station home because it's a nice, cool evening, yeah. a woman might have to think a thousand times different if she wants to ask for a promotion. So all these things, I think once I realised I had male privilege, I was like, okay, how can I, um, how can I combat that? Mm. And I think that was a subconscious thing I decided in my mind that, yeah. okay, I'm going to try and do things that, that help that. So when we're building the sit down, it just seemed like when we would ask for volunteers or assistance, mm. it would women, be women that came forward. Okay. Um, and so it's almost like subconsciously that has happened and now it's down to me, okay, what do you do with that subconscious understanding of what you want to do, which is to combat it? Mm. What can you do? Okay, we'll put them in place of, of power and, and responsibility yeah, yeah, yeah. rather than just hold it myself. And me, because you know, the sit down is my baby, the hardest thing has been to let it go mm. and say, can you do this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, can you do this? There's a lot I still do, yeah. but I'm learning over the last two years, okay, you've got to let go and put it into people's hands. And just recently we teamed up with um, a woman called Ra Raquel Deku. Mm -hmm. She owns a company called XB Events. Mm -hmm. And um, she just came alongside us, especially on the last two that we've done. Yeah. And we work on like a consultancy event management basis. So mm -hmm. if I'm going to do something, I'll be like, okay, Raquel, what do you think about mm -hmm. this? And based on all her wealth of knowledge and experience, she's able to give me insight that I didn't even know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. it's important to me that I put, these, I put these women in places of power because it can only serve the vision mm -hmm. better. Yeah, do you yeah, know yeah. what I'm saying? Because they bring, they're looking at things from a whole, whole different angle. We've got another... Um, a woman working with us called Nadia, mm. Nadia Lamani. And um, when we did Henry's event, I said, okay, could you help me do social media? Mm. So run our Insta stories. She's never done it before. She ran it, did an amazing job. But before we started, we had the hospitality section to get ready. Yeah. Tables, napkins, all those type of things. She paid so much attention and detail to that one task, I remember I came over to her and I said, no, 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 that's not your, that's, that's yeah. not your, someone else is doing that, that's fine. She goes, I know, I know, but I just saw it like that, I just want to make sure it's, wow. so the next one, shoulders one, I said, your hospitality yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and food, and she just killed it. And so it's, under, it's seeing the wealth of, of knowledge, of wisdom, of value that we have in women, um, and empowering them, and, and, and just saying, look, you run with it, you're more than, you're more than capable. So rather than me just talking, talking, talking about it, yeah. the reason the team looks like that is because subconsciously I think we're just, just doing it. Yeah, just yeah, doing yeah, it. Yeah. And then with the family aspect, my brother, 
my two sisters, mm -hmm. my wife. Mm -hmm. Man, they've been, goodness me, since commission, do you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Every single time I want to do something and embark on something and I have a vision for something, they are there, do you know what I'm saying? They're just, they're just there to go, yeah, yeah, ready yeah. to go. Like, what do you need? And I love them for that. So it enables me to just do what I need to do, mm. having that full knowledge, having that, in my, um, having that in my brain that I know I'm here presenting yeah. the show, but my brother and sister are holding the thoughts yeah, over yeah, there. Yeah. They understand me, they understand the vision, they understand what we're trying to do here, mm -hmm. and they will execute it to the hundredth power, to the, to the, to the top of the excellence that they can, yeah, yeah, because yeah. It, I'm their brother, do you know what I'm saying? So there's that trust and there's that reassurance that even if I'm not there, mm you know, they'll get it done. So it is become a family affair. But you know what I've realised also? Mm. Those who are coming on board are our family. Yeah, they are becoming yeah, yeah. our family. We've had new additions like Ola, uh, Christina, um, Sarah, Salima Kamara. These are people who are now part of our, our family. This is, this is our family. Anybody that comes into the sit down to lend your hand, yeah. They become our family. Whether you can do every, you don't need to be able to do every show. Mm -hmm. And there's people that message me because we have a massive uh, WhatsApp group. And sometimes they'll be like, like Topper, I'm sorry that I can't do this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, fam, this is an open door. Yeah. Whenever you feel you're ready to, come on down. Like, that's fine. Mm. I don't, this is not your job. You've got yeah, a life yeah. to live. So anytime you want to put your hands to that, we welcome you back as family. And thankfully, uh, that family feel gets translated into the event mm -hmm. and people continue to keep on saying I just felt welcome yeah. I just felt part of a family and that's only down to the team yeah, you know, yeah it's down yeah. to the team so what do you think is required for the sit down to go to that next level and what do you need to improve on for that to happen also go to the next level um well <laughs> frankly money money is always going to be the thing yeah it's self-funded by myself so anytime uh, we're doing these events, I'm just chopping money here for, yeah, my, yeah. for my salary and just trying to make it work. So having pools of funding, so now we're looking at applying for grants, mm -hmm. applying for funding. Guys, if you know any places to apply, let me know. Um, and I think that can help take it to the next level by investing in the production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The production yeah. is an experience. It's not an event, it's an experience. So mm -hmm. um, we're constantly trying to pour money into you know, things as small as the goodie bags. Yeah, what yeah. do we put in the goodie bags? Because that costs money. Yeah, yeah. That, yo, pff, yo, that costs money. <laughs> to do customised mugs, it costs money. To do customised pens, it costs money. So mm -hmm. to have the funding to pour into that and to make that experience beautiful for people yeah, yeah. would be amazing. I want to one day have our own venue yeah. where we customise that whole venue and kit it out so you're really walking into the you know, sit-down experience. Um, marketing. Yeah. Like, you can have a great thing, but if nobody knows about it, like, it's not, how yeah. great is that thing? So, pouring more money into that. Um, but I think we're just at a, a stage where we're, we're still growing. Like, it's mm. been five years, but that five years has been spent trying to increase its value and its worth. Yeah, People yeah, seeing yeah. its value and worth mm. in, in paying money to come to, to the sit down. And I think we're just getting to a place where people are like, yeah, yeah, how much is the ticket price? Yeah, that's, that's something I can yeah, part yeah, with yeah, and yeah. be a part of. Yeah. And we're just getting there. We had the COVID knocked us down for a while. Mm. And we had to transition online. But 
We're just getting back into the swing of things, learning how to operate this event, yeah. irrespective of the venue that we're in. Mm. We changed venues, we got Soho Works for accommodating us. So I remember the first one we did with Shanice Shawe after the lockdowns lifted. I was like, how do we do this again? Mm. I couldn't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Two, was it two years? I couldn't remember how to do events. We had to acclimatise into a venue and get it working like a, a, a nice, well-oiled machine. And now having new people join us, there's the management of that. Yeah. So I think the way that we can elevate it and take it to the next level is keep doing what we do, uh, but just add little things to it that's going to make it better. The funding, the marketing, more team, mm. more people coming alongside what we do. So, And more people just shouting about it, man. The more... You know, we don't have billboards, but the people are our billboards. Yeah, do you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So the more people can do it through word of mouth and come to any event irrespective of the person, mm. the more that it will just get out there and, and it become what we want it to become is the go-to place. Adele knew where she had to go. She went to Oprah. Mm. Megan and Harry, they knew where do we go to reveal the core of who we are. Mm. I need to go to Oprah and sit down with Oprah. And that's what we want to be. Yeah, if yeah, you yeah. need to find out the core of a person or to reveal the core of who you are, come to the sit down. And we want to establish that cultural relevance. So that's what we're just working on. How do you manage the, the weight of ambition without burning yourself out? Mm. Or is that something you're still working on? <laughs> I don't know how to balance it yeah. <laughs> I don't even know how to balance <laughs> it, man. I call it the burden of ambition, man. Mm. Oh, the burden of ambition is like when you're constantly you're constantly thinking of how to achieve this thing, but you can't switch off. Mm. You cannot switch off. And it's not, a, it's not a good thing. For me personally, having a wife, having a daughter, it's not a good thing. Mm. Because um, I do sometimes, yeah, I do sometimes struggle to switch off from that weight. Mm. But it's just this burning thing within me that says, um, you've got to die empty and, and you know, you, what was drawing us when we were younger about purpose yeah, 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 yeah. And, and about intention. It just won't leave. I know that I've, I've, I've only got a certain amount of time here mm. and I've got to leave something, I've got to do something that is going to make an impact. Mm. That's just what, that just, you know, it just won't leave me. Leave me. And so there's a scripture that says, um, it's one of my favourite scriptures, Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever your hands find to do, do mm -hmm. it with all your might. Because yep. in the grave, there's no work. Mm -hmm. And that, I don't know if it's a good thing, but that scripture haunts, haunts me. It's like every time I wake up, I'm like, we've got to do this with all our might. So when the Shola Ammo event finished, mm. and we got home, we got home about midnight or so, I was tired. Mm. I was, again, the, the extrovertness that was needed mm. now needs to be recharged because I'm exhausted. And I always tell my wife, look, after the sit down, I just need time to. So I was in the living room and um, I had all the equipment in the living room and I was thinking, right, we should go to bed. Didn't, you know, the ambition kicked in and said, to bed? Wow. You're going to bed? Who's going who's gonna to send out the email tomorrow morning thanking everyone that came? Wow. Are you going to wait? When, when, when are you going to do that? Are you going to do that by midday? Mm. No, that needs to be in the inbox in the morning. So as soon as they all or before, between six and seven, that needs to be in their inbox. So as people are waking up and checking their emails, they feel appreciated for coming out, especially because of the TFL strike. Mm. You better 
spend the next 40 minutes, carve out that email on, on Flowdesk and schedule it. So I was doing it on the laptop and then I was dozing off. Then I wake up again, I look at the time, I'll be like, oh my gosh, it's, it's going to one. We need to hurry up, okay. And I'll start to design it, write out the content, I'll fall asleep. And I said, wait, like, come on, brother. We need to get this, schedule this email. If you want to sleep, you've got to schedule this email. Eventually I scheduled it. Um, and I was happy that it went out, but that was the weight of the burden of ambition mm. on my shoulders, thinking we've got to take care of our people, we've got to make sure they feel, you know, we keep this ball rolling. And then imagine as soon as I finished it, I was like, right, so. What's next? You need to get the next one, to book the next one. Two, two days after, this is, yeah, it was this week. Like, even a day after, I was like, it's not good, in it? But I was like, how can, oh my gosh, I haven't booked the next one already. How come you haven't wow. booked the next Time is ticking, you know, Ice. You haven't, you haven't booked the next person. Yo, we're supposed to do one by June. You need to lock that in there so we need to get the market. And, but I have to also tell myself, brother, calm down, relax. Mm. Ease up, ease up. Leave the phone today. Just chill with your daughter, chill with your wife. Ease up. Take some time for yourself. Ease up. Let's pick it up next week. Do you know what I'm saying? So, Wow. I still, it's some of the, more of the story, I need to balance it. I need to still find a way to balance it. You talked about um, being a husband, being a father. Mm. How have, you know, your, your marriage um, today, and how has that kind of, what it was when it started and how has it it's evolved to today? Mm. How does that help you to, with that burden and ambition? And how has you becoming a father changed how you utilise your skills and your abilities, mm. especially with that weight of the burden of ambition that you have on you mm. consistently? Yeah. I think it's, it shifts who you're doing it for. Mm. And so my wife has been, we've been together for 10 years, yeah. coming up to 10 years now, married. So her support pushes that drive mm. constantly. That support, her support and her being by my side pushes that drive to succeed and get this. And it's funny because I'm not sure what the get this is yet. Mm. It's so funny, so I'm chasing something that. But to a place where, I think to a place where it feeds us, do you know what I'm saying? And, yeah, yeah. and, and takes care of other things. So her being by my side, from where it was, you know, we met, we became friends and, was able to transition into a relationship and then marriage. Yeah. But she's just always been a supportive person and I think that, that, that helps um, push that drive. But then she's also someone who helps to balance that ambition a bit. Yeah. So she'll pull me back a bit and say, yeah. you need to eat or look, you need to sleep. Yeah. Even that night, I think she was, you know, she was saying, um, oh, you, know, you, need to, you need to rest. Yeah. You need to, you know. So she is almost the one that is better at helping balance that burden. Um, but it, yeah, it's definitely a driving force. And then my daughter coming on the scene, you know, everyone says, yeah, it changed me, it changed me. I don't know if it changed me. Mm. I don't think it, no, I don't think it changed me. Wow. I think it reinforced what I was doing anyway. Yeah, okay. Where it was like, um, I want this to work for, for all of us. Mm. If Spotify, if YouTube, <laughs> my guys, if they were to come through and say, you know, here's 600, here's a million mm. to do this on a large scale, mm -hmm. 
keep all your licensing, keep all your rights. I'll snatch that up. Do you know what I'm saying? I'll work at thinking about, okay, how do we now hand this off to someone? Because yeah. my work is, I've almost like, I can hands off now. Yeah. But until then, and until we are cemented into culture, the driver is going to consistently, consistently be there. My wife and my daughter coming into the picture only enhance it, but it's been there from maybe the time I read that scripture. It's mm. been there from maybe the, from the time Pastor Agu, Pastor Bajo, uh, Kisunya were there telling you, you have purpose, you have drive. Yeah. You know, it just won't leave. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. so these, these entities enhance it, uh, but they're also helping, I guess, to balance it, you know, as I go on. In all that you do, and with history being your favourite subjects at school. Yeah, 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 big up history. When everything is said and done, and this life is over, how do you want to be remembered? And who would you have wanted to become? Who would I have wanted to become? Jeez. Who would I have wanted to become? I think how to be remembered. Uh, someone said this once, I interviewed um, someone, I can't remember. If it, but I interviewed someone and I asked them about legacy and they said they don't think about legacy because they're not in control of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really thought of that. I thought, rah. You could be living throughout your life trying to leave this legacy, mm. unwittingly treated everybody bad, mm. and then die, think you left an amazing legacy, and all people are left with yeah, yeah, yeah. is your experience that you had with them. And when, you know, big up Jamal Edwards, man, rest in peace forever. Mm. When he passed, I saw that legacy is not, it's not controlled by you. Mm. It's the, it literally is the experiences that people had with you. Yeah and what you left and deposited in, in their hearts. That's the legacy they keep with them forever. Mm. So with Jamal, that's what everyone has, when those stories start to fly out, it's what they'd kept in their heart for so long yeah. that, that meant something to them. But Jamal did it and Don went on to do other things. He might yeah. have connected you with something. But that one instance and that experience, they had held it and chose it in their heart. So for me, I don't feel, there's no legacy that I feel I'm carving intentionally, mm. but in my mind, I'm trying to, I'm trying to live a life where everything that is within me can come out mm. and just gets deposited. I don't want to go to heaven and then man looking at me and be like, why are you holding those bags for? Yeah, yeah, like, why have you got that for? But like, oh, he said, no, you're supposed to give it, you're supposed to deposit it on earth. So I'm just trying to deposit everything I can when he gives me those eyes, pour it on earth and the remnants of what that does Amen, that it helps somebody. Yeah, 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 but I can't control that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll do what I can and everything within my power to get what they've given me out mm. and pray that it helps and it connects with some people. So like we were talking off camera, mm. you don't know what these things are doing until somebody comes up to you. So sometimes people say, um, you know, oh, that really helped me that you did that. And I'm like, mm. rah. And it really shocks me because when you're, doing, when you're going 100 miles per hour, mm -hmm. you may not be aware of it doing anything. You're just hoping but when it does come back you're like okay cool you've got a reference point so the legacy i don't know if i'm actively carrying it out but i'm just trying to leave everything down here let god channel through it connect the people that he needs to connect with and help the people that he needs to connect with and if i'm a part of that amen mm. who would i like to be i don't know I, I think myself i think i'm happy with that's even a lot for me to even say that even come to that conclusion but yeah, I'm happy with just me, man. Let me, let me have been me. Mm. Because the way this travel and this journey I've taken, geez, like, 
it's unique to me. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? It's, you, you can't live my life. You can't be in my head because it's just a... <laughs> like I said, I'm a complex person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So with that complexity comes creativity. With that complexity comes great imagination. So many things come spinning off that. So let me have that mm. and let me own that. It's taken me years to own myself and be happy with who I am. So if I'm going to die and be anybody, oh, let me just be me, man. Mm. Yeah. My last question to you would be, with where you're at now mm. in life, what advice would you give to yourself? <sighs> what age? With where you're at in life right now, yeah. what advice would you give to yourself? So my age right now? Me right now? Well, you right now sitting here, <laughs> with where you're at right oh. now in life, what advice would you give to yourself? Yeah, it would be, um, like, be easy on yourself, bro. Mm. Like, be kind to yourself. Be easy. Like, I've been doing therapy for about a year, a year and a half now. But yeah, like, and that's what my therapist's first three sessions, she said, you need to be kinder to, uh, you need to be kinder to the top air inside of you. Mm. And um, yeah, that's been a struggle for years, being easy on myself, being, uh, you know, that whole drive of ambition. Mm-hmm. You can do something great and still be hard on yourself and still be like, whoa, that was a flop. Yeah. You could have done better, you could have done that. You didn't do this, you didn't do that. I'm getting better at it. Mm-hmm. I'm getting much better at it. I used to internalise every negative conversation. Mm. So some, you know, maybe something's happening in the family. I would use and find an amazing, creative, imaginative, imaginative way to make uh, me the reason it happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, it's because I didn't do that. Ah. But yeah, I think I've spent time with therapy and time with myself and just development in being able to acknowledge I'm not perfect. Mm-hmm. There are things I'm great at, there's things I'm not so great at. Um, so be easy on yourself, you're not perfect. So mm-hmm. that's what I would say to myself, be easy, bro. Be kind to yourself. I see. Toppy, thank you very <laughs> much, bro. Thank you, man. Thank you I for this, really man. appreciate, appreciate it. it. Um, it's been conversation with H with the amazing, the super. Go check out the Sit Down UK everywhere, everywhere. Make sure you go to the events as well. Yeah, come down, man. Um, this has been ICA Kizzy Toppy. Um, thank you guys for tuning in, and we'll have a lot more content for you.